Welcome to the backdoor pilot of our animation podcast, where Tori and Dom talk about animation, uh, current animation, not just old stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that we get to get away with this time because Amato isn't here to rein us in. Mm-hmm. And though we'll be looking at these through the cold, harsh light of 2019, there will also be things that came out in the cold, harsh light of 2019. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm some, wondering. Some challenging things. <laughs> so I've always been a big Steven Universe fan. I think we've talked about it on our uh, joke podcast that came out in uh, April 1st. Yep. And I was very excited to hear that they were still doing more Steven Universe after the Steven Universe movie. Yeah. And those, the first four episodes of Steven Universe Future came out today. The night of recording. We uh, we watched them, then we uh, set up our microphones, and now we're talking about them. <laughs> And we we still have a little bit to process, I think, internally, but maybe processing through the power of podcast will help us come to a good place yes. with it. Um, so tonight we're talking about the first four episodes of Steven Universe Future, which is, according to Ian Jones-Cordy, not season six, but a new series altogether. Which makes sense to me, because it follows directly from the movie, which happens two years after the show and dom as you were saying earlier when we were watching uh two years is kind of a long time in the life of an adolescent in the life of a a youngster yeah yeah so steven's gone from being 14 to 16 and and changed a lot especially because it appears he's gone through puberty yeah that's an interesting time because there's a lot of like physical growth mental growth uh hormonal growth to be honest and (laughs) yeah and with those hormonal changes a lot of emotions um you know, kids trying to perceive themselves in society in a completely different way, but also having, like, really intense feelings that they didn't have before. Yeah. Um, and not to say that kids always have really intense feelings, and that's part of it, but they're experiencing a whole new set of feelings and also a whole new set of expectations from their, their culture and the people around them. And also a whole new set of um, capabilities, both mental and physical and emotional, that they don't know how to deal with. Yeah, like magical power to glow pink and become extra strong. Yes, which in the real world manifests as kids jumping up and trying to touch like the clock above the doorway mm-hmm. of the classroom. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's pretty accurate. Well, I remember in middle school, like a teacher being baffled why kids were doing that. I was thinking about it. It's because they're taller like all of a sudden just from being like little people to taller people than just trying to see what they can affect in the world yeah middle school is that time where you kind of go through the i think most significant middle and maybe early high school the most significant like growth spurts right (laughs) yeah i was going to say if you're going to say the most significant changes i've i'm waiting for the period of my life where i don't go through those at this point yeah no no i was just thinking literally in terms of like growing taller Because you kind of grow at a pretty, like, I mean, every kid's different, but there's, like, kind of, to me, a steady growth that kids go through, you know, until they hit puberty, and then they have, like, very, uh, you know, erratic growth spurts. Yeah. That that, that first uh, hormonal growth, and then the second one later, then you finish about, like, 20s or late mid-20s or something. 
Sure. Sure, whatever. Anyways. <laughs> or you stop growing by the time you're 12, like I did. <laughs> sure. Um, emotionally, too, though, there's a lot of changes and um, a lot of social pressures to be grown up. And I think those start to manifest in terms of, like, you know, being tall is definitely a part of that. It's part of being growing, grown up to kids, so... I think that's kind of telling of the uh, series' name, Steven Universe Future. Mm-hmm. Because in, in reality, it's Steven Universe Present. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're going through what they're going through at the current time. And we were talking about this before. Like, I don't actually remember what year Steven Universe started. Um, but it seems like Steven maybe should have grown more than, you know, from... I guess he was 13 when the series started to 16 where he is now. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of interesting because the consumption of this media is probably mostly by kids. Hopefully, right? I mean, yeah, I think it's a really important thing for kids to see, actually. I had I used to have a conversation um, with a person I worked with last year. Like, we both love Stephen Years for a lot. And he was uh, the program director at the after-school program I worked at. And he brought Stephen Universe into the classroom and, like, He'd do Steven Universe karaoke with the kids, and it was like their achievement badges had Steven Universe star, and he had a whole board with all the characters on it. And we had a conversation once we were talking about the episode. Um, oh, and I just watched it too. The one where um, the song, um, it's the one that goes, Take a moment to think about. Oh, um, what's that called? Song called? The one with that part that was storyboarded from the animator from Trigger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he told me, like, he'd had a particularly difficult day with anxiety that day. And that episode was, like, everything he needed. And I agree, because, like, that episode, I just watched it again. And it was, like, everything you need to kind of, like, feel, I don't know, just feel better about not being perfect in the moment. That's the uh, Mindful Education episode. And the song is called Here Comes a Thought. Yes. Yeah. And it's all about just getting over those intrusive thoughts and trying to move forward as in that moment. And it's amazing, really. Well, I, I know this is not what we're here to talk about, but I just watched Frozen 2 recently, too. Mm-hmm. And it was, I thought it was interesting that uh, my mom and my younger sister also saw it. And one of their big um, things they weren't happy about with the movie was that it, they thought it seemed too, uh, the story seemed too old for kids or too dire for kids. With the uh, concept of the whole song about dealing with depression and how to immediately uh, handle that in an immediate practical fashion. Now, the way I saw Frozen 2 was that the original Frozen movie came out six or seven years ago. So I thought it was trying to adapt with the audience it came out with. But with kids' movies, it's always targeted at the new youngest kid audience. Perhaps. I really saw that movie as trying to be for the audience that the original movie had influenced so much. But to be fair, you know, I uh, my preschoolers who are three, you know, all got together <laughs> with their parents and saw it as a group. Yeah. And they're obsessed. They were obsessed with the first Frozen, even though it came out before they were born. But my, so, yeah. But the point I wanted to make was, I don't think that concept is, um, as like my mom and my sister put it, not a kid's concept. Like. Mm. Uh, depression Agreed. and how to and anxiety and how to deal with it is a something that affects some people from from the get go. Really, like I was thinking, yeah. if I had that the mindful education episode 
or um, the Frozen 2 song when I was younger, it would have given me a better idea how to deal with what I was going through at the time as a kid. Totally. And, you know, I, you know what I was thinking about when you said that was like, oh, yeah, this isn't targeted at three-year-olds. <laughs> but to be fair, if you have that as a part of your growing up from the age of three, mm-hmm. it's going to influence how you treat things as you get older. And we really do um, try to practice, you know, in the places where I work, we try to teach kids how to set clear boundaries, like how to say no and stop very firmly. Not something I grew up with, but something, (laughs) you know, people who grew up in our generation want to teach kids in this generation because we're terrible at boundaries. Um, Our generation and, and, you know, people in our 30s and 40s were terrible at them. We, We were taught always to, like, give people what they wanted. So we're teaching this new generation... I practice with my kids, like, holding up their hand and saying, stop, I don't like that. Right. And I think the same thing applies, so. And also just communicating what you don't like and what hurts you and what yeah. the other person can do about that. Exactly. Which, and, it, and so a lot of these topics I've seen to be what they're talking about in this Steven Universe Future series, the development and growth from mm-hmm. childhood to Second childhood. <laughs> yeah. Childhood to electric boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> I think the word you're looking for is adolescence? I think so. Teenagerdom. But then again, I, I like keeping the word, ch- the word uh, childhood in there because mm-hmm. some people go through many childhoods throughout their lives and some people never leave it. <laughs> True that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the great thing about Steven Universe conceptually. Uh, not to linger too much more on that, because I know we want to talk about you know what we've just seen. Mm-hmm. But Steven Universe, to me, I avoided watching it for a long time because I had friends who would make fun of the Tumblr culture that existed around it. Right. And that's whatever. I don't even need to get into <laughs> that. My point being is that when I did watch it, I was like, this is a show that is teaching kids how to set clear boundaries. It's teaching them, like, you know, that there aren't clear answers in response to emotional abuse and that, you know, is you can set good boundaries, but that there's not, like, a clear way to work everything out in your life and that you will always be growing and changing was one of the big takeaway messages. And it's also exploring the idea that... Um, Steven explores the idea that, you know, he doesn't have to be either of his parents. There's so many good concepts in that show. And I I think they're great for young kids to learn about at a young age. They're concepts that I wish I'd known at a young age. Yeah. And uh, coming into this um, series, first we have have the movie, which we can talk about quickly, I think, Mm -hmm. before we move on. I I think it it, uh, informs a lot of where they're going, although the series definitely takes a different turn from where the movie uh, was or even ended. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and so the movie was mostly about uh, emotional growth and dealing with that, even in the lack of like immediate seeming like harm or <laughs> an apparent enemy. Yeah. And just dealing with the fact that you're never done. Right. And I mean, that's been the whole theme of the show throughout. Like, you kind of, you almost think every time, you know, Stephen approaches something. It's like, oh, he's come to this important conclusion. And every time it's sort of debunked in the fact that he's always going to change and the world's always going to change and people are always going to change. 
And that's what, you know, his mom liked about this, like, humans in this world, was they're always changing. So I like that in juxtaposition um, with the gems who are, you know, if we really look at that kind of this fascist society of roles and strict ideas of identity. Yeah. And I think it's pretty progressive when the show presents, like, change is a constant in any individual's life, but it also presents it as kind of uh, how you process trauma is by always changing and maybe you understand more and more of your trauma, but you'll always be moving forward in your personal change regardless of that. Yeah, and so the movie does a lot with emotional growth, which is why we were able to forgive it with the many... um plot holes and technical inconsistencies and where did that injector come from (laughs) seriously though where did that injector come from (laughs) and why is spinel the only one that can control it and whatever Whatever. it's it's about emotional growth and change right and the process of trauma and also the fact that trauma comes from bad relationships not necessarily from you know bad people exactly yeah that was a big part of the end of the series and the movie was that these bad things happened and there was a bad result for the characters and they had to deal with it, but it wasn't intentionally hostile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Steven Universe, people make a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. and there, our main characters usually have to deal with the ramifications of those mistakes, but it's not because those people were bad people. Right. And a lot of Steven's process is rectifying that. So the first episode of Steven Universe Future, uh, we start with um, Steven Universe making up a bubble bath for somebody. (laughs) Yes. A a bubble bath composed of gem liquids from all the three of the diamonds and then, of course, his own pink diamond spit. spit. Yeah. (laughs) That was a kind of fun thing where they gave uh, Stephen healing powers and they made it as gross as possible. <laughs> well, because originally Pink Diamond had... Or tears. Healing yeah. tears, yeah. Which is very poetic and very shoujo and very... Yeah. Yeah. Well, and th- at the point they established his healing spit, you know, it was funny too because it at that point in the show, and it, I think it's always been clear that the creators were moving. I just rewatched like the first four seasons. We're moving towards this whole thing with Rose Quartz. Yeah. But at the beginning, she seems so like perfect and idealized. And that's why it's really funny when Steven's powers are like <laughs> so silly and cute. Um, that was a slow burn, wasn't it? They were, yeah. they, they had Rose Quartz the saint for the longest time. They did, but then I think it's, when you rewatch the series, I think it's pretty apparent as soon as you see the like the flashback, the first flashback episode with her and Greg. Yeah. That she's treating Greg like not like a real person yeah. with like independent choices. And you're like, um, this seems a little sketchy. Like this relationship <laughs> seems pretty weird. Yeah. And so we're introduced to um we saw a little homeworld in the Steven Universe movie, and we're introduced to what they call it, little homeschool. Yes. <laughs> Little homeschool with the uh, professors, the main characters, all teaching their chosen subjects. Yeah, and uh, it's Amethyst is teaching how to do what you want or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think that, that that was our favorite. Just lesson one, do, do whatever you want. Okay, I'm going to go get lunch. Bye. <laughs> yep. 
I also liked how there was like two humans taking the course also. Yeah, it was Onion <laughs> and then somebody we couldn't tell who they were. Yeah. So, but, yeah. Um, that was great because <laughs> what I liked about that, they, I, Dom, you pointed out that there were two humans there. <laughs> and as soon as I saw that, I was like, yeah, like I would take that course too, you right? know? Like, yeah. We all need that. Because, um, you know, Steven Universe, the gems are kind of this. I mean, everything is an, an analogy, but like the gems are kind of this extreme. And under capitalism, we experience the restrictions of work. So that's also something that I think the is that the second episode goes on to treat, or is it this also this episode treats yeah, the, the second, whole working? The second episode thing. is the gui- guidance one. Yeah, the yeah. second episode treats work in a really funny way. <laughs> but this one is just kind of an introduction to where Steven's at right now and As where the, the homeschool is at. And he is kind of a healing gems one by one and bringing them to the school. Yeah, that's the impression that Steven Universe is um, personally introducing gems to, to the to their new life, introducing them to a better path and healing everybody. Mm-hmm. And so as part of that, Steven goes back to their um, pet project, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Yeah, which is uh, Jasper. And yeah, Stevens healed Jasper's corruption, but uh, Jasper is still chosen to live <laughs> off in the hills. Yeah. Has eschewed anything Earth life form ish, including the grass. Yeah, Jasper, Jasper calls any life form that's come from Earth the Earthling. Like, calls the. Said it took a long time to get rid of all the green earth things. It's like, you mean the blades of grass? And they're like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. No, it, she was like, um, I don't know their names. <laughs> <laughs> that was it, yeah. <laughs> Which is really funny because, you know, gems are rocks and they have, you know, like all these identical names for each of their <laughs> iterations. So it's like, yeah, I guess like, you could consider a blade of grass in the same category, but it's yeah. not sentient. So there's a lot of comedy around that. And so Stephen tries to, like, peace and love Jasper to death, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And Jasper is not having it as much as they had in the beginning or, I assume, over the two years in between. Yeah. Jasper is, like, like super just into fighting and training. And Stephen accuses her of, like, um, training for a war that's no longer going on. Right. Which... I don't know, is interesting, because I feel like he's making a lot of assumptions. But that's kind of pointed to as well. Yeah. Later on. The difference in this exchange is that Jasper gets to Stephen, and Stephen gets angry and upset. Yes. And decides to um, lash out physically? Well, it seems more like Jasper's like... Doesn't Jasper say something more like, Fight the only thing yeah. you can do is fight me. And Steven's like, okay, fine. Yeah. Um, and I do think that's because he's a little bit upset. But mm-hmm. I also think he's like, okay, if this is the only thing you'll respond to, I'll try it. Yeah. I think it's also the teenager thing of um, you're questioning my capabilities. I have to I, – I can do this, so this is how I solve this now. Right. Well, and the fight's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's pretty fun, and it sort of seems more like a sparring match, and um, there's a cute scene where Steven saves some baby birds yeah. from their fighting. It seems like the theme of this fight should be, like, Steven Universe losing control and getting more violent, 
But even as this is going on, Steven Universe does take the time to um, save baby birds and like protect the trees. Yeah. But still not in control of their facilities as much as they should be. And I'm not going to lie, like, this was kind of, at this point in the first episode, I was like, I'm not sure why I care about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, by the end, I did care. But at this point, I was like, what is the point of this? Like, we never really liked Jasper. And it's cool that Steven wants to, like, make a difference in her life, but she's clearly on a different track. Yeah. And this fight doesn't really mean a lot to me. But because it was so cool to watch, and the animation has kind of reached a new level, I think. I don't know if you agree, but... I think so, yeah. There was a lot of uniformity in that. There were some weird uh, keyframes every now and and again, some weird smiles. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, there are a few. But I do think they're reaching to the next level because they've updated a lot of their character designs. The hands, which I always had a problem with a lot of the hand animations in the original Steven Universe show... I always thought they were pretty good, but, like, every time so often you'd look at, like, a still hand, it would look just like a bunch of sausages <laughs> together. Right. And the thumb would be, like, almost as long as the first finger. They have some really dynamic hands in this. And, of course, like, Steven Universe, they don't have wrists, so that can be really, like, that shortcut is, it's fine, but it can be a little <laughs> annoying. In this, there were some really dynamic hands and some really dynamic movements, too. So that's what kept me engaged. It's interesting when a cartoony, you can simpl- with a simplification, it makes things easier, but you can't end up losing a lot of detail if you go too far. Mm-hmm. So you think they've reached the right balance here with their hands? I think so. I mean, like, to be fair, as I kept watching the episodes, there were definitely some, like, frames where I could nitpick on some hands that still looked really silly to me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, unless you're hyper-focused on hands, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> yeah. But when the hands were a prominent focus, such as in the fights, like usually hands aren't a prominent focus unless they're being very expressive. Or I think in in Steven Universe, of course, in fighting, Mm -hmm. they had some really dynamic looking hands. And I was pretty impressed with that. So the fight concludes with Steven Universe having liked it, really, and Mm -hmm. asking Jasper to teach them more. Uh, At the end of the fight, uh, Steven Universe starts glowing pink. And powers up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Somehow. And, yeah, it just kind of makes him stronger, I guess. And Steven Universe says, you drew this out of me, so that means you can teach me something. I want you to teach me more. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because Jasper's always been coded in uh, Steven Universe as bad relationships. Well, you know what was interesting, you know, having recently rewatched those seasons, is Jasper came back to Lapis. Mm Mm-hmm really aggressively asking for that relationship to resume. Because even though Lapis was the one who forced the fusion, Jasper was like, fusion makes us stronger. And Lapis, it was all about Lapis's character arc, basically saying no to a partner that was bad for her. Yeah. And it wasn't just about Jasper being bad to Lapis. It was about it, Lapis not liking the person she was when she was with Jasper. Mm-hmm. So in rewatching it, it's like, and maybe my whole philosophy on abusive relationships has also evolved a bit too because I think you know as much as you can be in a relationship with an abuser there's also an element of who you are when you're with the person there are relationships in which you're both just really bad for each other and I liked how Lapis evolved herself to the point where she was able to say 
no, like, we were terrible with each other. Right, because that was bad for Jasper also. Because it was bad for Jasper also. Yeah. And, like, Lapis was the one who even forced the fusion in the first place. So it, it kind of allows us to feel something. You know, Jasper's not been a sympathetic character until now. Right. And I think it's important to say, like, Jasper's still a person, you know, and still a person with feelings. And maybe, you know, this doesn't show us that much, but it shows us that, like... Jasper wanted Lapis in order to have some form of companionship, I guess. Like, she said it was because they were stronger, but I don't know if I buy that. Yeah, Jasper's been driven by, um, actually, lack of drive, lack of purpose. Mm -hmm. And is always looking for that. Because they started Mm -hmm. off with a really strong purpose to protect their diamond. Right. And that was taken away from them, and they couldn't find anything else to fill that. Yeah. Which is... I'm kind of glad they came back to it into this episode. It seems like with Steven Universe's future, they're taking a lot of like the weird fridge cannon stuff I had to think about and actually developing and discussing it, having that that room to play with. And not writing Jasper off Mm -hmm. as a baddie or an enemy or an abuser allows room for the idea that their relationship was much more complicated. Right. Allows room for Jasper to be a person who like maybe did make a whole ton of mistakes but can be redeemed. It actually left me thinking that like if Steven and Jasper continued this relationship it would be bad for Steven but good for Jasper. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. The other thing though that Steven says in this scene is I was wrong about you. I thought I came here thinking that I had something to teach you. That right. I could bring you back to, to homeschool and teach you something and make you better. And you taught me you have something to teach to me. Right. And ultimately Jasper says, well, this is our first and only lesson. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. I, I don't need any of this. I'm good. Go on. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of makes me think maybe that is just how Jasper wants to be. But, you know, from the presentation of the character so far i think as a human we all benefit from relationships and i think the gems are implied to be the same way that jasper ultimately is lonely however i like that where steven comes around to is like i thought i could make you like me but you're not like me you're a different sort of person so and we're also introduced to the concept of steven growing more and more um aggressive Mm. Yeah. Well, is aggressive the right word? Um, I, don't, I don't know if that's the right word. That's the one I have right now. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. As Stephen wants to learn fighting from Jasper, but Stephen's always wanted to learn how to be a better fighter through almost all of the seasons, and basically until the last one where he's kind of like hesitant because of who he realizes his mom was. But like in the series... Steven Universe didn't want to fight. Like, Steven Universe wanted to help, but didn't want to be necessarily a good fighter, wasn't confident in that. Well, yeah, but he trained with all of the gems all the time to fight better. Yeah. So... But when it came down to it, that wasn't Steven Universe's first choice or preferred mode. Yeah, well, which kind of brings me... But he's yeah he still wanted to train. He trained with Connie. He trained to fight better. Mm Kind of, but that was to me always read as like, you know, kind of a cartoon thing. Like he's uh, he's training to fight, you know, because he has to fight because he's part of the Crystal Gems, and he's also kind of a kid. You know, he's fourteen, but he reads as younger, and he's basically just a kid who's trying to fight the baddies. But in season five and in the movie. 
things get a lot more complicated. And I do think it's kind of strange, you know, trying to parse who Steven is now, mm-hmm. now that he's not really a kid. Like, we basically read him as a kid until now, and now he's a teenager. Yeah. And he's got to have an identity that's a little more firm than, like, wow, that's so cool. It's weird because he's coming from an identity of, I, I do have this power. I can solve this uh, physically. Mm-hmm. Now the question is, like, knowing whether you should or not or when. Right. Yeah. And it's a good point that fighting, you know, we're all going to fight physically at some point when it's necessary to protect ourselves and our survival, but it's really not the best possible answer in most situations. Um, You spent some time as a martial arts tutor, right? Yeah. um, Was was that to kids? Mostly. um, Did the concept of when you're supposed to fight and when you're not supposed to fight come up like this? Of course. Um, It's a really big thing. I mean, really, you're never supposed to fight. Self-defense is self-defense. We live in a dangerous world, and I taught classes, you know, how to protect yourself from people who might be aggressive. But the other thing about martial arts is it's also ideological. Mm -hmm. And... There's a lot, self-discipline is a main tenant. So what I, you know, practice my forms or practice martial arts, there's an element of fitness. Like it's one of my favorite forms of exercising and exercising is great for your brain and everything, you know, endorphins. There's also an element of control and self-control. And so... There is a really good episode in Steven Universe, too, though, that has related to some of the students I've known have had a similar experience. Connie accidentally beats up a kid at school because of her training. I've known students who've done that because you react to someone surprising you and you accidentally hurt someone else, and she feels terrible. That was the Mindful Education episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's the one, yeah. Yeah. Take a moment to think about Yeah, where she feels terrible. Um, I didn't start training until I was a little bit older, so I never had that experience as as a kid, but I knew kids who did in their training. You know, they accidentally hurt someone else because their friend tried to surprise them (laughs) and make a joke, and their reactions kicked in. Yeah. Because you do learn to react to those situations because it is important. But um, ultimately... There's so much about martial arts that's more about controlling yourself and being a mindful person. So it's really not just fighting. And I I think people make a big mistake when they pin it all on fighting. Yeah, I think that's a problem that some, like, teenagers have a problem uh, internalizing. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, could could or should, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, there's, there's another element to human existence, I think, which is... You know, it's not bad to want to, like, spar or be aggressive sometimes with other people. Like, Mm -hmm. aggression is kind of a a natural human instinct. It's a very chimp thing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that as long as you have elements of self-control that allow you not to hurt other people. Yeah. And that's just kind of the thing. Like, I think martial arts helps you learn how to channel those impulses into something fun or productive 
fit or, you know, or, and of course self-defense is important too. Yeah, or, or purposeful and not accidental. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So episode two of Steven Universe Future is called Guidance. And it's about a guidance counselor, Amethyst. <laughs> yeah. Wanting everybody to be their best selves. Mm-hmm. And we're introduced to the concept that uh, Amethyst has been doing a jo- job guidance counseling for the gems and been placing them and internships in the human society and telling Stephen about it and Stephen thought all the placements were too on the nose. I really felt for Stephen in this because, like, he saw the rubies being security guards. He Mm -hmm. saw the gems with ice powers making snow cones. Selling snow cones, yeah. He was basically like, how is this different from Homeworld? And, you know... I get that. I get how he felt, you yeah. know. It was a quick look, and with a quick look, Stephen said, you're pigeonholing these gems into what, what they should be instead of what they want to be. Then again, Stephen Universe didn't take the time. I don't know why I'm saying the full name every time. I don't know either, <laughs> but, you know, you do you, okay? I, I'm thinking about the this, this show, I think, Stephen Universe. <laughs> so Steve, Stevie, <laughs> uh, doesn't take the time to think about uh, why they think this or evidence supporting or proving against it or anything really and just assumes that everybody's been placed in places that they have to not where they want to yeah so steven goes and tries to find what he thinks are better placements for everybody which i thought was really silly because his main objection was oh they're serving the same functions they did on homeworld they're not living their true selves let me tell them what i think they'd be better (laughs) at like what (laughs) Yeah. But anyway. At this point, we're starting to wonder, wonder about uh, Stephen's motivation. Right. It was it was really odd to me that he kind of made that leap in logic. It felt like he thought that his opinion was better than Amethyst. Yeah. In the, in the series, Stephen always, has always wanted to be a helpful person, but Stephen was never the one to, to take charge or to tell people what that help was. Right. It seems like at this point, Stephen's like, you need help. This is what you need. Yeah. And yeah, it just did, it didn't gel because I was like, this is not Steven ideology. <laughs> like, so Steven tries to mix all the gems up, put them into different spots and to, you know, comically disastrous results. Yeah, things go very, very bad. And then afterwards, Amethyst was like, dude, I didn't just assign them because of what they were supposed to be. I talked with them and discussed with them what they wanted and their hopes and goals in the future. And I, I this was a thoughtful placement. <laughs> And she said that in the first place, too. Yeah. <laughs> She's literally just, like, reiterating what she said. But Stephen just didn't listen. He didn't listen. He didn't listen to her every single time because Amethyst was with him when he tried to reassign their placements. And she kept saying, Stephen, I don't know about this. And he just literally didn't acknowledge her. Yeah. So I felt like this was kind of weird for Stephen. Like, I understand that he is a little stronger and more independent now. But, like, ignoring Amethyst like that felt really bizarre to me, I guess. It's also a bit weird trying to reconcile um, young boy Steven with adolescent Steven mm-hmm. of, of the series. Well, but he's he is two years older, which, you know, 14 to 16 can be a big difference. But he's also grown physically quite a bit, so it makes it, like, seem like he's quite a bit older because, you know, he's prepubescent at 14. They're also so. a cosmic traveler now. Yeah. Well, Stephen's gone through a lot. So, like, I'm not necessarily, like, blaming him in this, but it was it was weird to see his character 
be kind of controlling mm -hmm. because that's exactly what he was afraid of being. He was afraid of being like his mom who he perceived to be controlling and manipulative. Yeah. So I don't know. It was a little weird. To be controlling under the guise of we don't want these gems to be controlled like they were by the diamonds on Homeworld. Which is exactly like his mom. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> that was his mom's mistake too. But you know what? Everybody makes mistakes. So maybe this is leading somewhere for his character arc. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's a bit... Maybe this conversation is a bit stilted because we, we're, we only have four episodes to talk about. And this is obviously a thought-out storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. So that brings us to the third episode that we saw tonight. Um, Rosebud. Yes. Spelled B-U-D, not, not like a flower bud. Wait, what? Like, like a rosebud, like, like the bud of a rose, like a flower. Yeah. Yeah. Is there another spelling that I should be aware of? I don't know about spelling, but meaning, probably. Oh. Yeah. Like buddy? Yeah. <laughs> like a rosebud. Yeah. It's yeah. like a rose is your bud. Yeah. Gotcha. This is several more um, loose ends that happened in the series that I kind of wonder about. and I'm honestly pretty surprised they came back to in the show. Yeah. Well, this is kind of where things start to get a little heavy. Right. So the humans from the human zoo come back. Yeah. After showing that they've now have full control over the the zoo ship mm -hmm. and turned into, quote, a cruise ship. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty cute. And uh, they're still not happy to see Greg. Nope, because he rejected all of them. Yeah. <laughs> which is fair, you know. Broke their hearts. Yeah. They were all heartbroken. They all loved him, and they were all heartbroken. Which also begs the question, if he'd chosen one of them, would they have been fine? Mm -hmm. I, I think they all wanted to choose him. I think so, yeah. yeah. But it also seemed like they were more upset that he rejected the choosing to begin with. <laughs> anyway. But they still talk about a uh, little detail that they brought up in the same episode, I think, where they mentioned that instead of destroying all the rose quartz quartzes because a rose quartz had killed a diamond, that they just bubbled all of them and blue diamond kept them mm -hmm. in this mausoleum of depression. <laughs> yeah. And so we find out that after Amethyst hooks back up with the Famethyst, yes. which they said multiple, multiple times and have to be in love with the word. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty cute because you remember from that episode that all the Amethysts helped them escape because they connected so much with Ameth our Amethyst. Yeah. So that was pretty sweet. Yeah. So basically Amethyst was like super excited to see the Famethyst <laughs> <laughs> and they went to hang out and it was like a pretty sick ride, you know, yeah. like exactly what you expected. So we find that all the rose quartzes have been unbub unbubbled, or, or at least three of them. All of them. We actually get to see all of them, I think. They open a whole room. I, I don't, I, I think I might have just been shocked by the first three I saw. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, what I recall is seeing that they open the room and there are a bunch in there, but that only three come out to greet right. Stephen. But so. Who had uh, spent the day trying to figure out where to rehang the, the portrait of, of Stephen's mother. Oh, yes. Well, what I recall from the original is it was hanging over the front door. It was. It was hanging over the front door on the inside. Yeah. And However, it is now hanging in the hallway, and he's tried to find various places, and it just hasn't worked out. And what we get a reveal of after he tries rehanging it in the the stairwell where it was originally is that he's just 
he's feeling a little messed up about his mom, and so he doesn't really want it hanging over their heads. Literally or, or figuratively, yeah. yeah. Um, but the rose quartzes um, all look a lot like what we, you know, what rose, what a pink diamond looked like yeah. as far as Stephen and Greg and I guess, you know, Pearl and everybody basically saw her as Do we for still call her rose years. quartz or pink diamond? I or? guess pink diamond. I'm not. But they lived as rose quartz for a long time. Yeah, it's. I would say that her chosen identity would be Rose Quartz, except, however, she did adopt the identity under, like, you know, trying to hide, basically. But I don't think she was uncomfortable in that identity. So I do think it's complicated. (laughs) I think she was uncomfortable as Pink Diamond. So So what you're saying is you don't have an answer. (laughs) I do not. (laughs) Great. (laughs) So there's three Rose Quartzes that they talk with. Two of them look similar. One of them looks like a dead ringer for our rose quartz. Yeah. Uh, same hairstyle, I guess, is as yeah. close as they get. Like maybe like slightly pinker skin. Yeah. But um, there's a lot of looks between Stephen and the rose quartz that looks most like his mother. Um, and it seems like she feels very sympathetic to him and he feels very um, conflicted about her. And they do the same thing they do with the other gems of the same um, gemological make where they have the same voice actor for Mm -hmm. each iteration of the character. Yeah. Or each different character of the same gem species. (laughs) And we have a really, like, bubbly rose quartz, and we have a really, like, valley Valley, girl. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Rose quartz who... um, Just wants to have some fun, you know? (laughs) (sighs) But, yeah, she's also, like, uh, a little bit, like... um, She's a little valley girl, but she's also a little bit like a whatever dude, kind of. Yeah. Like surfer girl, maybe. Totally chill. Yeah, she's yeah. a totally chill one. <laughs> and then we have the one that looks most like our Rose Quartz, who just seems aware of how uncomfortable everybody is and just tries to be quiet about it. Yeah. And so Steven is immediately weirded, weirded the heck out. And, you know, it's very understandable. Yeah, because they look just... Like, like, literally, like, <laughs> exactly, not similar yeah. to, but oh, they do, you know, they do have variations in hairstyle and slight variations in nose shape. But there's the one that has the same hairstyle and same nose shape that mm-hmm. you just really have to pick on, and that's the one that you know Stephen's drawn to. And so Stephen, being nervous and not wanting to be around the rose quartzes, does the natural thing and invites them all to dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because he feels bad. Yeah. You know, he feels guilty because these are not the same people. And the reason that he's upset by their appearance has nothing to do with them. Yeah, but he's not able to um, handle it. Right. He feels guilty for feeling guilty, for feeling, uh, you know, however he feels. And so he tries to do the opposite. (laughs) One of those complicated adult feelings, really. Yeah. Yeah. And what happens is they all come to dinner, and Steven's uncomfortable, and Garnet's uncomfortable, and Pearl's Pearl's uncomfortable. uncomfortable. And Amethyst walking by in the middle of the Amethyst is uncomfortable. Yep, everyone's uncomfortable. That doesn't fun face, just completely shocked and horrified, just moving on. Yep, because Amethyst, I think, gets it more than anybody. Like, you know, kind of the funny thing about this whole episode series to me was Garnet doesn't make as big a role as anybody else does but even garnet's uncomfortable here and i understand why 
Pearl's uncomfortable with Zelda. She was in love with, you know, with Pink Diamond and Rose Quartz. And what happens while they're having dinner is Greg <laughs> shows up. <laughs> and he takes one look at the room and he's like, they're like, would you like to stay? And he's like, uh, n- n- no. Nope. Bye. <laughs> just walks out. Just Which, loud, nope. <laughs> yep. And I respect Greg for that because he absolutely knows... What, what they can't handle, yeah. Yeah, what he can't handle, and it's this. However, everyone else in the room is still trying to handle it. And Amethyst, too, was also, like, kind of nope about it. Yeah. <laughs> so Pearl and Garnet and Steven are still trying to deal with this awkwardness. And Steven, still handling things kind of poorly, over-advice them again to have a sleepover. <laughs> yeah. Well, because there's... Uh, one of them states, like are you uncomfortable with us being here? And he's like, of course not. No. Have a sleepover. I love you guys. I love it so much. I wish there was more of it. Let's have more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Stephen. Yeah. And, you know, long story short, they, everybody comes out with, like, how the fact that everybody involved is uncomfortable with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically, they're having the sleepover, and, like, they all kind of, like, one of them realizes that Stephen's not comfortable. I'm like, we'll just leave. And they all try to leave. Mm-hmm. And then um, Stephen follows them because he's like, wait, no. <laughs> Don't think of me as a bad person. I can't yeah. have that. <laughs> oh, Stephen. Yeah. But he eventually gets to explain why it's awkward for him. And they explain that it's awkward for them to hang out with Stephen, too. Yeah. Because just like Rose Quartz was supposed to be... Uh, Rose Quartz or Pink Diamond was the one who made them. Yeah. And they were. Uh, she was uh, their diamond. And basically, Stephen gets, like, they get to talk about themselves as, like, Stephen's sisters. Yeah. Which I thought was actually a good way to phrase it. Like, these are people who were created by your mom and who look like your mom. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're, they're like your sisters that you've never met. And, and, and of course, you all remind yeah. each other of, of your parent because you, you all have something in common. Correct. Yeah. And I think that was a good way for Stephen to put it in his mind, having been raised as a human, to understand the, they're not his mom. They look a lot like his mom, but they're not. And there's still people he can accept. And he can also accept his feelings of being a little uncomfortable and triggered by it, too. Yeah. And so they kind of bond with the fact that they're all uncomfortable with... Um, Pink Diamond's legacy and how to mm-hmm. deal with it. Yeah, and it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Which brings us to the fourth episode that we saw. Yeah. That <laughs> it does. There's a, like a joke in the fandom where uh, back when the original series was coming out, how they released a list of episode names and that from the from the episode names themselves, you'd think they'd be bright and happy series, but there was a joke that's like one of them was like the bathroom, and the other was like the the interpretation was like someone was depressed and stayed in the bathroom all the time, and something horrible happened. Yeah. <laughs> yada yada. So this episode is called volleyball. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, even though I knew Steven Universe still had this convention of the the episode names, I still thought in my mind it might be a throwaway fluff episode. <laughs> About volleyball. <laughs> I mean, the fact is that everything leading up to this has been kind of... Like, the most recent episode was a little heavy about Steven's mom. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's probably the heaviest we're going to get, right? The episodes before this were about establishing, like, how gems are now living on Earth and so many healed gems exist. I really did not expect what was coming in this one. Yeah. So in this one, we're talking about Pink Pearl. 
which mm-hmm. is Pink Diamond's original pearl. And as we know, the, the, the pearl that we spent most of our time with was um, White Diamond's pearl originally, which is why they're colored white and why mm-hmm. they have a gem in their forehead. Yes. And Pink Diamond's pearl has been under White's thrall for 8,000 years and yeah. has a cracked eye. Yeah, but not a cracked gem. No. Which I always noticed, but, you know, nonetheless, she comes to Stephen for healing, and Stephen tries to heal her gem, realizes it doesn't work. But the gem's fine. The gem is fine, yeah. Then he tries to heal her eye where the crack is, and it still doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, oh, well, I guess the healing doesn't happen there. He's very confused. He doesn't know what to do. Right, so he goes to um, the our pearl Mm-hmm. To get more pearl information. And it's a little bit of an awkward situation because mm-hmm. there's a conversation between, <laughs> you know, Pearl and... Pink Pearl. Pink Pearl, yeah. Who, I guess, adopts the name Volleyball. Well, Stephen says we can't yeah. keep calling each other Pearl. Uh, how about I call you Volleyball? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's the whole thing because he's healing uh, gems who were involved in playing volleyball at first, and Pearl is the referee for volleyball. So yeah. when he finds Pearl, she's refereeing for volleyball. They're like, oh, volleyball. <laughs> I still think that's a little disrespectful because it's like, I mean, she's okay with the name, but like, what? Like, it's just the first thing they thought of because they happen to be people playing volleyball around them. Right. So when uh, Pearl and Pink Pearl get together, they have a little digs at each other about how much they knew Pink Diamond. Right. Which one Pink Diamond gave them more attention back in the day, et cetera. Basically, volleyball. Um, Pink Pearl (laughs) is like, um, oh, yeah, you know, I'm... uh, She used to get upset at me, and, and things would happen, and blah, blah, blah. And... Uh, but I know I always forgave her, and it's like uh, that was more towards the end of it. Oh, was that? Oh, I don't remember exactly how it started. It was but a slow burn. Something. Well, we'll get to that part. Point being is that yeah. she said something, and Pearl was like, "Oh yeah, I used to feel that way before when I was younger." And then Pink Pearl Volleyball is like, "I'm older than you." I'm older than you. <laughs> Very good point. Mm-hmm. Um, but as that conversation progresses, we get to what actually happened to volleyball. Well, they they figured out that they don't know what's wrong with uh, Pink Pearl, so they decided to go back to the um, the the reef. Right, but they also reveal that like it wasn't White Diamond who caused her crack; it was right. Pink Diamond. Uh, Pink Diamond. Uh, Pink Pearl mentioned that to uh, Stephen in the beginning, and mm-hmm. Stephen panicked mm-hmm. and was very insistent on. Um, not insistent, just very made sure that Pink Pearl didn't tell uh, Pearl about it. But then she does, like uh, in, in that scene, right? Later. I thought it was right in that scene. It was in the, in the reef. Oh, it was. Okay, never yeah. mind. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, that's fine, but I mean, that's pretty much what we're talking about anyways. Uh, yeah. The reef is a place where pearls are made and refurbished and accessorized and... They put Pink Pearl in a diagnostic machine that says the pearl is fine. It's mental trauma. Yeah. Which is why why that cracks are there. And at that point, I guess that's when like that's when Pink Pearl says, "Oh, White Diamond didn't do this. Pink Pearl did." And uh, Pearl was like, "No, uh, Pink Diamond doesn't do stuff like that. You're wrong, pretty much." Yeah, and 
And we get this like this pretty heavy stuff but about Pink Diamond was like or Pink Pearl was like, Oh, you know how Pink Diamond would get. They would get angry and they'd shout and they'd they they didn't mean it, of course, but you know, they they they'd lash out and and Pearl was like, No, that that wasn't a thing that happened. And the Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. a surprisingly heavy turn. <laughs> it was pretty intense. Um and in that moment, you know, I thought of of course was like, you know, being a victim of domestic violence. Like they didn't mean it. But something that happens shortly after that is uh, kind of a, I guess, a different take on the situation, which is, um, I don't remember exactly how it happens, but um, Steven starts getting upset. Do you remember yeah. how that happened? How did that happen? I was too focused on the other things going on. Um, the the reef uh, ascertains that both pearls are defective and needs to be reformed, yeah. so they traps them. I think that might have been part of the stress too. I think it happened before that though that Stephen got upset. It happened before and during that. Yeah. Yeah, Stephen gets upset for some reason, and his new power that we established in the first episode, where he turns pink and becomes extra strong, which they also. Uh, happened in the second episode, the guidance one. Yeah. Where he turns pink and is able to react quicker in mm-hmm. slow time. <laughs> yeah. So, like, he turns pink again, but this time his power starts cracking all of the walls around him. He stomps and shouts and breaks, like, the floor around him. Right. Because he's extra frustrated, I think, emotionally, from understanding that this this damage happened to to. Uh, to volleyball. <laughs> you don't like the name, but you keep using it. <laughs> uh, I don't like it, but I don't know what other name to use. Pink Pearl. Pink Pearl? Okay. Yeah. Um, he That happens, and it starts to, like, you know, start caving in and or almost hurt, you know, Pearl and, and Pink Pearl. And so you kind of see that this was Pink Diamond's power that she couldn't control. So it's it's really complicated because at first you kind of see this domestic violence narrative and it was very difficult to parse like like she didn't mean it like what what is like that's you know that's that narrative that you don't really want to have to deal with yeah. and uh then but then Steven's power overwhelms him and you start to kind of see that this might be something different but I really struggled with that. But, I didn't uh, really under, know how to understand that. So. Both the pearls ended up uh, reconciling with um, our pearl yeah. saying to Pink Pearl that they were sorry that, that they didn't believe them, that that wasn't the pink diamond they knew, but they understand how that, that could have happened to them, um, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good... Um, it was a really good reconciliation. I guess Stephen's kind of outburst was mm-hmm. what triggered it. They were both trapped in this shell trying to get restructured. And they talked to each other for just a second, and they fused into a mega pearl. Which is what it's called in the credits, apparently, mega yeah. pearl. Which is really cool, because all it took for them, like, they shared trauma, and their trauma was different. Mm-hmm. Like, Pink Pearl experienced some violent outbursts that, 
actually physically hurt her from Pink Diamond, but and then, our Pearl has experienced a lot of emotional A lot of an, out, emotional like, abuse, really, from the same person for different reasons. Yeah, exactly. And so they bonded over that, and they instantly fused. And Into they, the Ultima Utna crossover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who's, I guess, yeah, described as being a Anthe-Utna hybrid or something. Well, just taking a look at the costume is kind of inspired by that idea, I guess. I think it is, the yeah. The shoujo um, European spats look. <laughs> it's quite a good look. Yeah, it I works. fully applaud. And she's even got a little crown. Yeah. You know, like the hair rolls like Anthony. <laughs> That's pretty dope. It was a super cool design, super cool character, really. Yeah. It was basically Pearl just very confident and didn't even panic when everything was going wrong, when the facility was collapsing. I was really happy to see a Pearl go in this direction because she's been in love with Pink Diamond Bros Chords for for so long, even though the elements of like that person's personality have become more and more problematized. I like to see her like be independent, I guess. Like she could still be in love with her and that's fine. My point being is like I, I want to see her do something, you know, independent, kind of free herself from the those bonds. Which I think has been the theme of, like, late season five, the movie onwards. Yeah. So this was really good for both of the Pearls uh, to bond over shared trauma and to free themselves. Yeah. I, I thought that was a nice use of the... I thought it turned out to be a good use of the uh, Pink Pearl character. Which was just yeah. kind of a throwaway character at the end of season five. Yeah. And could have been a nothing character. Again, this is an, another one of those little, um, like, fridge lore stuff that they expanded into something mm-hmm. worthwhile. Yeah. So that's the first four episodes of Steven Universe Future. <laughs> and it was a lot. <laughs> and it was a lot. Yeah. Uh, do you have any thoughts about where you think this series is going to go? Well, you know, I have some thoughts on, like, I think they're going to do a lot with Steven's character because I think they've introduced, like, Steven's character in original Steven Universe is just a kid. Mm-hmm. And they've done a lot to work towards Steven in this series being, you know, more mature and having to deal with a lot of real world problems, like, especially within himself deciding who he wants to be. And in, you know, the first two episodes, like, trying to take charge and the second two episodes kind of realizing that those things were not the correct things to do. I believe that they're going to do a lot of Steven work to make him into a fully-fledged adult who has a good understanding of both boundaries for himself and, like, how much he really can help other people despite having the powers he has. That is my hope and expectation for where they go. I think that's a good way to put it, uh, boundaries for themselves. Yeah. Because I don't think that's something Steven's had to had, had to do before. Where before, Steven was trying to develop powers, trying to grow as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the movie, um, Steven's line during the uh, Here We Are in the Future, it's talking about growing and developing powers all their own. Mm-hmm. And not about reining in those powers or when to use them or right. what effect they could have on the people they're used against. Yeah, and I, I think this more and more alliance with the idea of 
he's deviated from I'm gonna be my mother, but he hasn't fully deviated from that because he's still making some of the same mistakes. So I think this will be an important series for that growth. Yeah, I think Steven's making those uh, mistakes like instinctually and not realizing it. Yeah. And not being happy with the result. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see Steven as a complicated character who needs to learn, you know? Yeah. Like, not just how to snap for himself, but how to rein in his abilities and his power and not hurt other people with it. I, I might be projecting a little bit, but I think Stephen might have to learn about what instincts to trust and which to hold back. And even having the same instincts as somebody who did something bad doesn't make you a bad person. Right, right. Exactly, yeah. Just learning how to exist as a human, basically. <laughs> hey, if, uh, if anybody figures that out, let me know. <laughs> Definitely. I'll right. be the first on my uh, my email <laughs> list. Well, uh, thank you for joining us for this discussion, dear viewers. We've, um, I don't know, how <laughs> do <I can laughs> <end> we end this? <laughs> well, it's hard to end after that last episode because it was pretty intense. And I think when you're thinking about it, you can be a little in your head. But I, I do think that this new season has a lot of potential. And I'm excited to talk more about it if, you know, if the new episodes come out, hopefully we'll get a chance to speak about them as well. Yeah, it seems like the we have a release schedule for 10 episodes. I don't know if that's the whole series. It, it might be. They talked about Steven Universe Future being a limited run series. Yeah. And if that's the case, then it will finish airing by December 28th of 2019. So starting next year, we could uh, come back to it with the whole 10 episode um, I don't want to say retrospective, but that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it will be a retrospective it, at that point. It will be. It will be a, a modern retrospective. <laughs> yeah. Well, we appreciate our listeners joining us for this uh, deviation from our normal content. Yes. We're sorry. We're not talking about fan fiction or old things, but. You know what? We're talking about what we want to talk about. So screw you. No, just kidding. <laughs> so thank you. So so thank you. Thank you, Tori. <laughs> thank you for joining us on, on this, and we we appreciate it. Oh yeah, I guess yeah. Is that what I'm supposed to say? <laughs> and also, this is a uh, my little backdoor pilot in the uh, like a, a podcast or something else about talking about something modern, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you. That's the human thing to say, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to check my notes, but yes. <laughs> Now what? <laughs> this has been episode one <laughs> of Contemporary Steven Universe Review. This has been episode one of our Steven Universe Future Quick Take. Um, or also Untitled Future Animation Podcast with Tori and Dom. <laughs> yes. You can find us at RetroFanFiction at gmail.com. You can find us at RetroFanFiction on Podbean. You can find us at RetroFanFiction on uh, Facebook. Uh, please get in contact. Uh, if you like this, let us know. We'll keep doing more. If you didn't like this, I guess you let us know. <laughs> My ego is very, very fragile, so I'm not sure if, you, if you'd want to do that. But, you know, Just if you want to. <laughs> be gentle. Be gentle. So I've been Dom. <laughs> I have been Tori, I think. We're just two uh, gem creatures on this planet. Let's not do that. That's a terrible ending. How do you want to end it? I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. Amato. Help us. Help us, Amato. Please. So I'm Dom. I'm Tori. We're just two Earth-like forms. 
how's the rest of that phrase go? <laughs> trying to be nice to each other? Trying to be nice to each other in the face of cold, harsh gem world reality. <laughs> This week, the opening song was Disco Challenge from the album Hella's Awesome Dance Adventure by Komiku. The ending song is still Run Against the Universe from the album Popey's Incredible Adventure, also by Komiku. You can find those albums and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com.